0: Welcome back, everyone to another episode of What's Next, where we're interviewing former athletes and current professionals to get a sense of the skills, habits, and tactics they developed during their playing days are translating to professional life. Very, very excited about our guest today. His name is Alex Tuccio former baseball player out of Siena and current founder of Scout Day. Uh, Scout Day is a digital exposure platform and app. And what they're doing is they're helping to connect amateur, right now, baseball players uh, to colleges and beyond. So very cool social media network that he's creating. Uh, it's got a ton of buzz behind it. Um already received first round and I believe some other additional funding. Um, Alex gets into detail on all of that. Um, he's got a super engaging Instagram page. And he actually talks... Um, during this interview about how he developed you know, a true following, didn't just go for followers, and how his tactics uh, resulted into 64,000 fans right now, um, that if you go to his page, Scout underscore Day, um, you'll see just how engaged they are. It was something we first noticed before we started the interview. Um, love this one. I, I specifically like it because he, he's very tactical, um, not necessarily just a blue sky. You hear some of these founders out there um, a lot of motivation, uh, but we don't get to peel back the, uh, the screen and see some of the tactical moves that they're making. Two big things that he actually goes into on this episode, uh, four things to look for um, when in exploring influencer marketing. It's a buzzword, but he actually gets... Um, some execution tips for us and then three things that investors and founders are looking for during funding rounds like I said he's received funding um, and so he gives us a a, a look there Uh, the non shark tank version as he'll say so if you're looking to get funding or just curious about that process uh, you're going to love this one um thank you alex for for this one and we really enjoyed it i I know you guys will uh quick call to action to you if you're listening to it now share with two former players or or teammates or friends that you have um and we'll, we'll continue to see this thing grow thank you guys so much enjoy this episode and i'll see you next time all right everybody welcome back to another episode of what's next our guest today is alex tuccio former first baseman at siena uh graduating class of 2016 um, Alex is now current founder and CEO of Scout Day. Um, it's a digital exposure platform and app, and what they're doing is they're helping amateur baseball players uh, get to ne- connected with colleges and even beyond um, pro pro ball and, and so forth. So, Alex, thank you for joining us today, man. Thanks a lot, Rob Meown. Appreciate it. Of course, of course. So, why don't you um, just give the listeners a bit of a backstory, kind of your upbringing? Take us maybe even back to that senior year of college um or senior year sorry of high school college experience and, and we'll we'll kind of dissect it as we go along
1: yeah absolutely i mean for me uh i, I definitely took the long road uh to this point uh, you could say all the way back to high school through college um, started public high school uh, ended up transferring to private high school uh, my sophomore year um, really was determined uh, to get to the next level the college level really felt like i could get there um, ended up committing uh, very late in my senior year um, you know, went through all the the hoops and bounds that high school players have to go through still today, uh, go to all the showcases and emailing coaches and not getting responses. And um, I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity at Seton Hall University uh, late in my senior year of high school, uh, decided to start my career there. Seemed like a good opportunity. Um, and when I got to Seton Hall, uh, lo and behold, you know, I just wasn't as good of a fit for me as I would have liked Uh, specifically athletically. Um, You know, Seton Hall is a fine academic institution, but for me, um, you know, it wasn't what I was expecting. So I decided to kind of reopen my recruiting process, you know, start revisiting with uh, some more coaches, got my release uh, from Seton Hall uh, after my first semester, uh, and actually ended up transferring to Siena College, uh, actually very late once again, uh, right before the spring semester um, of 2013 started. And so that's where I spent Uh, My my undergrad years was at Siena. It's a small mid-major D1 program in Albany, New York. Um, It's where I got my degree as well, as you mentioned, graduating in 2016. And uh, that experience was eye-opening for me. I mean, going through the recruiting process uh, another time, um, you know, really uh, helped me mature uh, even more uh, than going through it the first time did. And so um, as I spent my time at Siena, more on the academic side, Um, I started getting involved uh, in the Stack Center, uh, which is the Center for Entrepreneurship uh, on the campus at Siena. And so I got involved there uh, towards the end of my sophomore year, beginning of my junior year, Um, you know, did an internship uh, shortly before that, that really opened my eyes that I was like, not cut out for kind of the corporate route, um, which led me uh, ultimately to the Stack Center. And so uh, in my time there, just started really experimenting and learning more uh, about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Um, It runs my family. My dad was an entrepreneur. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. And so um, I learned very quickly um, uh, about kind of the startup realm and entrepreneurship. And so that's what led me to start Scout Day. It started on campus at Siena while I was a current uh, student athlete. And uh, it was difficult balancing it. But I think, you know, that really uh, hardened me uh, as an entrepreneur uh, from the very beginning. and so. You know, Towards the end of uh, my athletic career uh, at my senior year at Siena um, I had been accepted into graduate school at Rollins College to do my MBA I was going to do a concentration entrepreneurship, uh, but I actually uh, Was working so hard on Scout Day um, that I had an opportunity to to, uh, secure some funding uh, Following graduation from Siena so I had decisions to make between kind of the MBA and the real-life MBA And uh, I'm very happy to say that I chose the real-life MBA So that's kind of what led me up to this point um, all the way through my athletic career, um, really trying to build off my experiences, my pain points. Um, you know, I always played baseball for the opportunity to uh, have an impact on people. Um, so really i view scout day as my way to change the game, uh, in the way that I wish I could have on the field. So, um, it's a lot of fun. Um, I think it's the, the path that I was uh, destined for more so than obviously being between the lines. And so, you know, it's just been a lot of fun to, um, you know, continue to build relationships in the game, even though I'm not necessarily on the field anymore. Um, and it's honestly, I mean, it's it's better than I could have imagined. So um, that's kind of what led me up to uh, this point is you know the twists and turns along the way. And uh, you know, like I said, just really happy to be here.
0: Awesome, man. we'll we'll talk about, you know we'll we'll go back and um, I think we'll spend some time on Scout Day in a bit, but um, I'd like to backtrack just a bit on your experience at Seton Hall. Talk about the importance of the real life experience. I think we hear that with the internships. Um, And for some of our listeners who may think that's something they want to try after school, um, talk about how much that helped you reframe your mindset while in college and then using the remainder of your time there uh, to get to the point where you're at today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I decided to get that internship you know, paid $15 an hour. And I mean, when you're a college student, I mean, $15 an hour sounds like might as well be a million bucks. Um, so, you know, I was really chasing the money uh, to be honest with you. Um, thought it would be good to have some cash. Um, it was kind of after hours. Um, and it was during the quiet period. So we didn't have practice. Um, it was a finance internship and it was just spreadsheets and stuff. And I mean, I resented going to work, you know, every single day. I mean, the money was was definitely not worth it, but I needed that experience. I mean, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have that experience. So um, that's a philosophy that I take with me even now. Um, you know, we move quickly at Scout Day. We make, we make quick decisions. Um, you know, I know a lot of other founders who I talk to, uh, they read the books, they read the blogs, um, you know, they watch Gary Vee, they watch, you know, Ty Lopez, whoever they're watching. And, you know, they analyze, but you just you just got to you know, you just got to go execute. And, you know, that's what I was looking to do was, you know, get some real life experience, like you said. And uh, I did that, uh, discovered it wasn't for me. Um, but maybe the five or six other people I worked with, you know, it was for them. And now they have a career in finance. Um, so it's really it's all personal preference. But, you know, when it comes to experience, uh, when it comes to experimenting, uh, especially being young, um, you know, I know a lot of listeners are you know, high school, college, um, you know, people listening to this podcast and, you know, we're, we're young, you know what I mean? You just got to go try stuff. And that's the only way you're really going to know. You can read as much as you want, but you just got to go
0: try stuff. So. And I think that even applies to some of us out of school and, you know, to our, to your point earlier is if you don't try it in college where it's a really good sample size, um, you're going to have that gut feeling later in life. Um, can you talk briefly just about, you know, you you walk away, you have this gut feeling, this isn't for me, and this is kind of the second time in your life you've had it, whether it's transferring from Seton Hall to Siena, um, and now you're here again, talk about that ability to kind of, that what starts as a nagging feeling, and it evolves into something more, and then I guess how tactically you go in, to your point, start executing, start figuring out what's next, you know, you have this um, center at Siena that you can go after, I guess talk about kind of those steps for you. Yeah. You just got to know what you want. I mean, I
1: had, I have a vision for what I want out of my life and that doesn't necessarily include having all the money in the world. Um, so you just got to know, uh, the blueprint that you have to take to, to achieve your goals and everyone's goals, um, are going to be different. You know, we live in a social media driven age where, you know, it's easy to see what people think they want and, and what they're displaying, but, um, you, you just have to know what you're going after. So for me, you know, it just was, was proof when I started that internship, that you know, this this wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to go. Um, I didn't force myself to become an entrepreneur. I just, I've always been creating since a very young age, even before I was an athlete. I mean, I can remember being in the sandbox at, I don't even know, preschool, building stuff, and I just, I had visions then, and I still have visions now. Um, so, I mean, it's just a matter of staying true to yourself, staying true to your vision. Um, but, but no one can give that to you no one can give you your vision that your vision has to be yours uh, and you have to own it and you have to be comfortable knowing that you know your vision might not include being the wealthiest person in the world uh, might not be the biggest house in the block but you just have to know what makes you happy and you know follow that vision rather than what um, might be politically correct or socially correct uh, and, and that and that's something that I want to touch on too is you know I made a lot of socially incorrect decisions you know i basically punted the last two years of college um you know didn't go out much didn't do the the traditional college kid things and that's why i'm in this position it was my head start um you know do i regret it i mean uh, you know maybe in 40 years i will but right now you know i'm right where i expected myself to be and i'm right where i want to be so you just have to know uh what's correct for you and you know make sure that you're decisions map to what's right for you versus you know what might be right for for
0: someone else love it and and so talk through because i don't think we had you know something like the stack center that you had so talk about in those kind of incubation periods or right when you're getting started what what kind of foundation did it give for you what like fundamental skills were you just like this is exciting and it's all of a sudden Got you to a point where you're finding flow and just all in your last two years. So I guess yeah, talk about that. Sure. Experience.
1: Yeah. So it's a lot of uh, lean startup methodologies. Um, that that's really a lot of the teachings of the Stack Center, um, business model canvases, stuff like that. Um, really the basics one on one. But you know, I, I'm so glad I didn't go get my MBA in entrepreneurship because I I believe after going through this experience that nothing can prepare you for being an entrepreneur besides just being an entrepreneur and going to do it and taking the real-life learnings uh, and adjusting. Um, But having the Stack Center was a great starting point for me, Uh, not only the the teachings, but just being in that community. Um, I mean, at Scout Day, I was fortunate enough to uh, also go through an actual incubator uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, the Desai Accelerator, and that's just another example of community. I mean, you're around four other companies in the cohort uh, all going through similar things, and it was the same thing at the Stack Center you know, you're around other college students who have ideas. And uh, for me, it, it pushed really two things. It pushed, obviously, my creative juices and, um, you know, seeing what other people were thinking and their ideas. Um, it's, it's definitely, uh, you can draw inspiration from it. Um, but besides that, you know what I mean? It really uh, allows you to tap into what other people are going through. And I think that's something that's really important. You know, whether you're an entrepreneur Uh, whether you're living the corporate life, um, it's really important to be able to draw from other people's experiences. Um, And if you can surround yourself uh, with a very strong inner circle, um, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's literally the most valuable thing is, uh, you know, who's in your corner. Uh, I think there's like a famous quote, you know, if you, if you see who's in your corner, it tells you, you know, more about yourself than anything else. And I mean, that's, that's so very true. So, um, so having the Stack Center really allowed me to surround myself with people who uh,
2: at least were thinking similarly to where I was at that time. Before, you were talking about being comfortable with your vision, um, and I think a lot of people or recent graduates like yourself, you only graduated last year, right? And a lot of people who are graduating would be uncomfortable with the with starting their own company, and maybe they, there's some fear out there. Um, that maybe I'll fail, maybe I won't make enough money, maybe i'll miss miss getting the job that the job offer that's right there. Talk about some of the apprehensions if you had any um, coming out of school and just continuing on with your own company.
1: Yeah, I mean I had none. I mean, I passed on the MBA. I mean I had a scholarship to not only go get my you know further my education but to continue my athletic career and i I mean I dropped it. I dropped it all. I mean you know, that I think that that was my advantage and it continues to be is, you know, when my back's against the wall and I have to make a decision, I just make the decision. You know, I don't, I don't ponder about it. You know, I just, you just adjust on the fly. Um, and that's life. That's not just entrepreneurship. So, um, you know, did I believe in myself a hundred percent? No, I mean, I still don't. I mean, I I think that's, you know, anyone who says that they don't have any self doubt is, you know, probably full BS. Um, but you know, I I, it, I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is you know whether it's their own self doubt or other people's you know doubting them. It just it all comes back to like, are you being true to yourself or are you being true to other people? Because I think we all know what we want, uh, but in this day and age, and in, in twenty seventeen, it's just so easy to cave into you know what everyone else thinks and you know what I mean how everyone else is viewing you. So um you know it's you just got to go for it you just have to um you know believe believe in your vision and you know you, you can make it if you just stay true to that and make that your north star so um for me there's no apprehensions um decided to just you know i had my deposit down on my mba like i was literally i was going and i just had this opportunity um and so You just got to, every situation is going to be different. It might not be investor money waiting for your idea, you know, post-graduation. It might be choosing between jobs or choosing between careers. Um, But you just have to know, you can't just chase the money. You know, you just have to chase um, what you believe is right and what maps to your goals, not just in the short term, but the long term.
2: And you also have, I mean, you have to have some support too, right? From family, friends, etc. But I'm sure there were people along the way, and correct me if I'm wrong, who told you, you know, you're making the wrong choice, you know, who maybe, as we call them nowadays, the haters who who don't trust in, don't trust you, don't believe that you can do it. Um, how do you respond to that? 100%. Oh, I
1: mean, I just, I let my actions do talking. I mean, when I was in the locker room at Siena, I mean, I know there were guys talking behind my back about, you know, what I was doing, my ideas, you know, me as a person, um, you know what I mean? People people hated it. I know for a fact. I mean, you, you hear stuff that are grapevine, and, and that's fine. I mean, maybe I'd be doing the same thing if it was someone else, um, but I'll see them in five years, you know what I mean? And then I'll see you on the street with a smile on my face and, and genuinely care how you're doing. You know, I mean, that's, that's life. You can't, um, can't let it hold you down, but you just got to let your actions do the talking. Um, you know, in a world where, you know, subtweeting dominates, you know, you kind of have to let your actions um, speak louder than your than your words and, and then your thumbs on social media. And, you know, just go execute. You know, people are always going to say stuff. I mean, look at the world of sports. I mean, LeBron James, Steph Curry, you know, you name it. The, the best athletes of the world are usually the most hated. Um, so, you know, if, if you're out there and you're trying to start something new or you're you're making a big decision and people are doubting you, um, you know, it's most likely because you're on to something big. Um, no one wants you to be better than them at anything, whether it's sports, whether it's business, um, you know what I mean? So everyone has an agenda. You just got to stay true to yours and, you know, you just can't care what people say. Use it as motivation. And, you know, like I said, just have that see you in five years mindset and play the long game and just don't let it swallow you up because it's so easy to, you know, listen to what other people are saying, be just, you just can't let it get the best of you. It's really hard. Um, I still struggle with it, but you just got to have that mindset, that that killer mindset that nothing's
2: going to stand in your way. I mean, it must be hard, but I mean, you're on your way to success, right? So tell us just a little bit about Scout Day itself. I mean, it's already within, you know, it's infancy right now. It's already seen some great success. Um, give us a little primer on, for those of us who don't know it what Scout Day is and where you're at right now.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, we've been in business for uh, almost a year and a half now. Uh, most of the time has been in product development, uh, which is very time and money consuming. Um, but what we're building uh, and what we're our vision is is to build an end to end platform that basically takes a a baseball player and athletes, hopefully in other sports as well, uh, beyond just baseball, all the way from little league all the way to the major leagues. So that's really our grand vision. You know, that's our five year vision. You know, how can we build a platform that you know, extends a player's career from the very beginning to, you know, the highest ranks possible. Um, But today what we're focused on is the college recruiting problem. And that's exactly what it is. It's the problem. I mean, there's families spending thousands of dollars a year on showcases and travel and tournaments and teams. And they're wondering, you know, when is the coach going to call me? You know, when, when am I going to get that offer? And they just have no direction So what we believe at Scout Day is that through our platform, we can solve these problems, you know, and our focus is really on two things. It's on distributing video content directly to the coaches in a different medium than email and social media. We want to build a native platform where these coaches can discover the players. Uh, And the second is in data. Um, You know, I'm very bullish on machine learning. Um, I think that we use machine learning every day without realizing it. And I believe that there's... uh, Something similar to what Moneyball did to the MLB, uh, there's something similar to Moneyball to be built uh, around college recruiting because it's the same concept. You know, these colleges have limited scholarships, just like teams have money for salaries and salary caps. And they need to know how to spend it. They need to know how to invest it. So it's the same principle. It's just on a much smaller scale. Um, And so I'm very bullish on data Um, I think there's so much in not just college recruiting, but just in college sports in general, uh, that's not really being looked at and manipulated in ways that's valuable, not only to the college programs, but to the players. And so between those two things, we really believe that we can streamline uh, a player's career uh, and help the decision making process, not just for the player, but also on the institutional side um, and helping these schools really understand uh, how to al- allocate their scholarship dollars, uh, which in particular with baseball is very limited. Um, you know, the whole 11.7 myth, um, most schools don't even have 11.7 scholarships. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm pretty sure Sienna didn't. Um, but, you know, baseball programs can only have 11.7 scholarships uh, to spend on their players. So uh, between those two things, um, those are really the backbones of our platform. Uh, taking a very mobile approach um, mobile-focused, um, you know, will we offer web-based products? Uh, probably. Uh, but right now our focus is 100% capitalizing on the white space, um, which is the, you know, the, the phone um, home screen for the college coaches and for the high school athletes, giving them an app that they check daily, um, synonymous with Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. So um, that's the direction we're looking to go.
0: Alex, take us back to, you know, in its infancy – And I'm sure those people out there with ideas or concepts of apps, how one, you saw a need and there were probably people out there doing some similar things, but how you took those to your point, executable steps uh, to just get it off the ground. Like, do you remember those first big like, okay, now we're rolling? Um, What were those like? Uh, And I guess some of the lessons along the way. Sure. Yeah. So Scout Day started, I actually it was called
1: uh, Go D1. Uh, my focus was gonna be on building a platform around just d one recruiting uh, from a branding aspect that did not work because the website domain was God One. Um, got some extreme <laughs> extreme pushback um, from from people and and mentors uh, around that name. Um, but when we were go d one, um, I actually just put up a landing page just describing uh, you know what my concept was, what my idea was. And I quickly figured out influencer marketing. I started working with the baseball influencers um, on Twitter, actually. Um, and so I just drove people to the website and all of a sudden, seemingly overnight, like I had over 1,000 people sign up uh, using this organic marketing strategy. And so that was really the, the very beginning where I was like, wow. You know what I mean? That was still while I was at Siena towards the end of my senior year, 2016, uh, right before I made the move to Boston to do this full time. And so that was really the... I guess, the first step, you know. And so when I talk to other founders and other entrepreneurs um, who are very early on in the game, I encourage them, you know, go prove your idea to yourself uh, more than to just an investor, but to yourself that there's actually a demand for what you're selling. And so um, I don't know if the question was around actual tangible advice, but that would be my advice is just if you're trying to get something off the ground, if it's a tech product, you know, a website app, um, you know, if if it's... uh, Baking cookies, whatever it is, you you have to put something out there. Um, and I believe that knowing how emotional of a game entrepreneurship is, it will give you that spark and it will give you that positive feeling for yourself uh, to know that you're onto something. And it just takes you to the next step and then the next step. And it's just all about moving the ball forward, one chess piece at a time, making your moves. And so you just have to make that first move and that's where people stop. I mean, you hear all kind of ridiculous stats about startup companies failing, and I can understand why. I mean, there were, there were times where I could have quit, and then there would have been no shame. Um, I would have just called up my investors saying, you know, look, we're, we're out of money. We can't do it anymore. And that's where people quit. And I think that's why those stats are so inflated, is you just have to be able to push through the adversity, just like on the field, um, you know, entrepreneurship is a game full of adversity. So. You just have to move the ball A to B, B to C, and just keep moving it forward.
0: Love it, man. And and that uh, you hit on a few big topics there. But the first one I'll jump back to um, is the idea in, of influencer marketing. It's certainly a buzzword. And the bigger the industry, everybody's like, we have to do this influencer marketing. Well, here you are as a startup. You know, I don't know how many people you have at the time, but using this concept of influencer marketing. So talk about what that was to you. Um, and I think that anybody listening in the marketing realm or entrepreneurship will will kind of like to hear about it for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think a lot of people, like you said, I think people look at influencer marketing, uh, different ways and th- there are different angles. Um, you know, look, I mean, we live in a society where, uh, you have to think about the purchasing decisions that are being made. Um, you know, why did you buy, you know, the, the shirt or the hat or whatever you're wearing, there's always a reasoning behind it. And, my belief is, you know, with influencer marketing, those are the people who are driving the decisions. So whether it's an athlete, whether it's a celebrity, uh, whether it's you know, you see all the time on Facebook. The perfect example that I know everyone will resonate with is those food accounts who make those videos with the recipes. Like those are influencers. Like if you look at uh, a video that like the Delish uh, Facebook page posted, and uh, they tag craft foods like. Craft Foods is doing influencer marketing. They're putting their product in that video, in that recipe, so that the 5.2 million people who see that video see it. So influencer marketers have the attention of the consumer. And on top of that, a lot of the time, if the influencers are not celebrities, so if they're not like for us, an MLB player, if it's not an actor or an actress, um, if it's just a, an account, like a delish in the food space, Those are very niche pages. So the audience members who follow those people or those pages usually are customers. Um, So what's important to know and what's important to look at, if you're a company considering influencer marketing, is a few things. One, you should look at what content they're putting out. So if they're constantly promoting a thousand companies all because they have a lot of followers, that's probably not a good page believe it or not, to promote with because those followers and those people looking at those pieces of content are going to get exhaustion because they're getting oversold to. And that account is probably not growing. So it's the same people getting pushed, you know, two or three products a day. And those people aren't going to take your product seriously. So that's the first thing to look at is look at the content. The second thing to look at is look at the ratio between the amount of followers that the page or that person has and look at how many likes and comments they get on their posts. Because if they have a lot of followers, but they're not getting a lot of likes, that's a red flag. There's a lot of bots. There's a lot of different apps where you can buy followers, where they automate you know, your following process so people follow you back. And the whole thing is like the big short. It's, it's going to blow up. These accounts are going to get paid thousands of dollars and, and they're just going to be found out one day, sooner or later. Um, so you really have to look at the engagement that these people are getting. And so that's what I do. I have you know, a couple niche people in the baseball space who I work with, um, who, you know, strategically working with them, we've been able to quickly grow our social media. We're over sixty-four thousand followers now, completely organic on Instagram, uh, and our engagement's amazing. And these accounts that we're basically bar- getting the followers from, um, they have huge followings, they have great engagement, they work with other baseball brands, but they're typically just posting you know maybe one to three posts a week about other businesses so their their pages are very clean um so if their followers see a product they don't automatic, automatically just turn away um they're at least willing to give whatever it is a look whether it's a picture whether it's a video so those are really the two things to look at with influencer marketing and i i hear horror stories all the time um and i see on like linkedin and people posting you know i'm trying influencer marketing why Everyone says it's so great. Why am I getting zero sales after I just <laughs> spent $20,000? And I don't know anything about what pages they paid and wh- or what platforms even, but I have to imagine they just got you know scammed because they probably paid one of those pages that has 1.2 million followers and gets 200 likes a picture. It's like, you just got to use your common sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, if, if it doesn't make sense, if it doesn't add up, it's probably you probably want to step away from that situation. And you really want to do your due diligence, you know, get pricing from different uh, people, different pages. Um, but that's my view is influencers, the good ones, have the attention. It's very powerful. You know, I'll tell you for us, you know, I pay anywhere from, you know, 100 to $200 a post, right? Uh, a user on Scout Day pays $50 to sign up. So if I pay that influencer who has 500,000 followers in the baseball space, $200, if I get five people to sign up for our app, I'm already ROI positive on that investment. So like that gives you a real clear picture of like the amount of money and the, how strong the ROI could be on influencer marketing versus going, um, you know, the paid acquisition route where you're, you know, doing traditional Facebook marketing and influencer, uh, sorry, Instagram marketing, um, using their native ad product. And, you know, the CPMs are on the rise and, uh, acquisition cost is, is a lot higher than influencers. So I would say, you know, you really have to get the pricing, you know, do the math. It's pretty basic. It's nothing too complex. Um, but really do your research and due diligence on these influencers before paying them a
0: dollar. I love it, man. And I think, you know, that that's the last piece you harped on, to is where you start to get into the execution side of it. And you start to peel back that layer, which I think is important to people. They get paralyzed. They hear this term, influencer marketing how do I do it? You can read 20 BuzzFeed articles, top 10 best influencer marketers. You just have to sit down and actually message somebody and be like, you know, what well, I guess what were those initial conversations for you? Like how much does it cost to post or, yeah, um, yeah get into those and then, um, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah,
1: you know. that, that's where it starts. I mean, look, it always comes back to money, right? Especially with business, you know, you want to know how much it costs, you want to know what you're getting, you know, for your money. And so, that was, that was the first thing for me. I mean, like going back to what I was saying about starting on Twitter with that one landing page, I think I paid $25 for a tweet to get all those people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's ridiculous if you think about it. Um, so, you know, it's really understanding the price point. Um, but in terms of conversing with these people, <laughs> I mean, you just get, you have to know um, that whatever metrics they give you probably aren't true. If it's me knowing what I know now, um, most of these uh, influencers have business accounts. Uh, Instagram, uh, I'm just using Instagram because that's where I'm most spending most of my time. Um, but Instagram business accounts, you get different insights um, than a personal account. So they should be able to tell you what their engagement is like. If they do a post for you, how many people will see that post? Um, they have access to that data. And if they're not willing to give you that information, if they're not willing to send you a screenshot of a sample post Uh, that they did for somebody else, that's a red flag, because that means something's not right with their numbers, um, and I'd be very skeptical. So when you're having conversations with these people, you know, you really want to get the facts. Um, If they're not providing you hard evidence that's, like, screenshotted, um, you know, you just just really got to be careful. So, you know, these influencers are people too. They're business people. Um, Always negotiate the price Uh, Hopefully my influencers aren't listening to this, but I always try to buy as many posts as I can at one time for the lowest possible price point because I know Instagram's not going anywhere. So if it's $250 a post, I'd rather buy five or 10 posts and try to get that price down to $150 a post because I know I'm going to buy them anyways. So if I have the resources, I might as well go buy them, right? I mean, that's just going to give us the biggest ROI. Um, So always negotiate. Always know with those guys, no matter if they're the biggest buzzfeed, you know, influencer, you know, whatever, whoever drove you to that page, the price is always negotiable. So just make sure that, you know, you're being smart about your negotiation tactics and make sure you have all the information, uh, before you send a dollar.
2: We're going to pick your brain a little, a little bit more now. Um, we have, we've had a couple entrepreneurs on, we've had, I'm sure we have a bunch of listeners who are entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. And, you know, the talk around, being an entrepreneur is i need to go find an investor i need funding i need to go get you know i need i want to go on shark tank to get an angel you know what i mean oh god how i mean you have an investor and to the extent you can talk about it or maybe you can't but talk about how you went to go seek out that investor and having that uncomfortable maybe uncomfortable conversation with somebody you don't even know about taking a stake of your company
1: yeah it's a long story with investors It's it's a lot like the recruiting process it's a lot of uh lot of striking out. You know what I mean? It's a lot of, uh, a lot of failure. You know, most people say no, but, um, it's funny. I mean, I have such a different perspective on investors now than, you know, I, I have empathy and, and sympathy for, you know, a college kid, let's say, who's, you know, has an idea, they believe in it, they're hungry, but they have no money. You know, that, that was me too. And so I spent a lot of my time, uh, emailing investors when I had nothing. I had my idea. Like you mentioned Shark Tank, you watch Shark Tank. It seems so easy, right? These people go and they get Mr. Wonderful to write a check. Um, right. but but it's not. Um, especially with tech related things like I imagine most people have you know app ideas and website ideas. Um, you know, uh, I, I have to say I was that person um, who just thought it was easy to go raise money. I have this great idea, right? You want people to be a part of it. I wasn't concerned about the equity. I know I have a huge opportunity. But what you have to understand about investors is they have for every email they get, they have a thousand of you uh, sitting in their inbox. You know what I mean? So it's very competitive uh, to get funding. And so uh, what's important to know as as a first time entrepreneur, especially a college student, um, these investors aren't really going to write you a check. You know what I mean? Unless you have a prototype, unless you have revenue and and users, um, and they want to know that you have a team. Um, and that's what I didn't have. I didn't have any of those things. And I wondered why would no one give me money to start my idea? Um, fortunately, um, my traction was enough. I didn't have a product when I was at Sienna, right? I can't code. Uh, but I had the X amount of players that signed up through that Twitter campaign I ran. And so that's what secured my first investment was I proved the concept enough that there's people out there who would use go D one or would use scout day, um, So if you don't have a product and you don't have a team, you at least have to go prove your market somehow. And that's always possible. Uh, Whether you can code or not, you can always find a way. I couldn't code. I found a way to put a landing page up. Um, So you just have to find a way. You know, those are the three things they're looking for. Product, traction, team. You know, the the investor's dream is all three, um, which that's kind of the point that we're at now. Uh, but you know, if you don't have all of the three, you got to start with at least one, right? Otherwise, you know, where are you really going to go? Um, so, you know, my my words to the wise is, you know, Shark Tank's very over dramatized. That's not what it's like to raise money. Uh, investors, for the most part, are very entrepreneur friendly. They don't tell you, you know, your cockroach and, and all that you know nonsense, all that TV nonsense that they spew. Um, I love Shark Tank. It's great to see the people pitch. Um, but you just have to know that that's not what it's like. It's just like kind of the conversation we're having now. Um, it's, it's strictly business between business people. Um, and people want to make money. You want to make money. They want to make money. It's never anything personal. Um, but I would say those are the three things, you know, team, product, traction. Um, there's a couple others, big market. They want to know that you have a big total addressable market. Um, and, you know, they want what, what we had going for us as well um, which is kind of the fifth thing is, you know, why are you uniquely positioned? And that's kind of like the X factor. Um, and if you can check that box, like you'll have a lot of success. So for us, you know, I was using my background, you know, now we have a couple of MLB players invested in the company. We're uniquely positioned. We have a lot of contacts within the industry. Um, and that's our X factor. That's why we feel we're going to win is we have a strong team. That's uniquely positioned. So, you know, if you're, um, you know, let's say, uh, finance major and all of a sudden you're trying to start, I don't even know, I, the the Uber for you know mowing your lawn or something like that, like some crazy industry that just sounds cool, people are going to wonder, you know, what's your story? You know what I mean? Why are you even doing this? And you have to really understand why. Um, so that's the X factor is understanding your why, understanding why you're going to win, uh, be uniquely positioned and make sure that you're not just chasing down the pipe dream that's sold to you on Shark Tank and you know, Inc Magazine, wherever else. Um, so yeah, that, that's my advice on fundraising. Um, at least getting started with fundraising. I mean, I, it's a whole other process I can go into, but to get started, you know, really focus on those things and make sure that you have something.
2: Alex, looking back, you know, you've been at this, you've been out of college for a year now, um, or a little over a year, looking back, what's one thing you may have done differently, um, now that you're a year in? Yeah. Um, so I mentioned my decision-making process.
1: I make very quick decisions. Um, you know, I, I regret that, you know, early on, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to build a team and, uh, you know, I I won't mention names, but just, I didn't put myself in a, in a good uh, situation. You know what I mean? I mentioned like, who's in your corner and it's hypocritical because I wasn't looking who's in my corner and you know, the people involved at the very beginning at at Scout Day, I wish I did, you know, a little more due diligence. I was a little more patient, you know, making sure that we were a great fit as a team. Um, And that's one thing that slowed us down um, for the year of 2016, really, was, um, you know, we just weren't really a great fit as a team. And that's going to happen. It's very common for companies to have issues between co-founders, where one co-founder even has to exit the company. Um, So that's really one thing I wish I did different, is just you know making good uh i guess hr decisions and and making sure that people i bring on board you know are good people you know they don't have to be the 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 brightest and the smartest and the wealthiest or whatever but they just have to be good people you know what i mean and just make sure that you're surrounding yourself with hustlers and you know they're never going to people aren't going to work as hard for your idea as you are but you just have to make sure that you have uh you know good minded people so that that's probably one regret that
0: uh, that i have I love it, man. And, um, you know, calling back, there's I think a a bunch of our listeners, they probably follow, you know, Tim Ferriss. You were mentioning some of those names and you're the one thing I want to call to is like the falling in love with your initial thousand is something you hear a lot. Um, Definitely seemed like you had that mindset, whether you knew it or not, when you were talking about going to niche accounts you know, hitting those up first, staying kind of, you know, not broadening yourself too soon. Like you said, this could be an app that goes to all sports. You had that baseball focus, you fell in love with that baseball focus. And here you are building yourself to a point um, where it can expand. I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And you know what, I get pushed back every day, you know, small market, you know, can't write a check, you know, it's like small market. Yeah. Like, you know, if we, if we execute, you know, if we make, if we make 25, 50, a hundred million dollars, like that's a small market to a lot of investors, right? And that's something that entrepreneurs who might be listening to this are going to run into is hundred million dollars in revenue is small to a lot of investors, especially venture capitalists. You know what I mean? So that that's what I mean about knowing what you want. You know what I mean? If I build a business that's worth 25, you know, 50, 10, I, I don't know, whatever the price, I'm going to be happy because that means I had an impact that people used it. Um, and so you just have to you know, like you said, fall in love with your first thousand, you know, it's true. And, you know, marketing, you know, if you look at our account, you know, unless our co- our post has like, you know, 2000 comments, you know, we try to reply or, or like every comment that we get, you know, answering DMs, it's just the small stuff. And you'd be amazed that people who, and not people, but other companies who just kind of ignore that they take, you know, like you're saying, the first thousand for granted. And, uh, you know, you just have to uh, appreciate you know, where you are. And, uh, you know, if you, especially if you have a lot of momentum, if you're uh, in an exciting position as a business, uh, you have a lot of leverage, you know, people are looking up to you, people are looking to you for a quality product and a quality service. So uh, don't just take it for granted. Don't just look at the revenue, but look at it as an opportunity uh, that you can reach a lot of people uh, and, and bring some good, you know, bring some value. So
0: Love it, man. Yeah, I mean, this is your account and kind of your mindset is like a, a 101, 201, 301 course on how to use Instagram effectively, get your name out there effectively. I think, I don't know if it was Gary or Kevin was mentioning Scout Day and 64,000. And I was like, well, shoot, I've never I've never heard of it. 64,000. And to your point, you see some of the accounts with 64,000, no engagement. The first post we looked at, it was, you know, hundreds of comments and everybody pitching in. Um, and I think you were sharing somebody pitching and it's like, that's how you know, rabid your fan base is and engaging it is. And it's really, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's just, it's just all about not taking it for granted and just doing the small stuff. You know what I mean? Not looking at it as a financial advantage that, Hey, we can monetize this necessarily, but just, it's just fun. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Think about 64,000 people. Like that's like more. We could fill up Yankee Stadium and then some, you know, if we invited all our followers. Like that's crazy, you know what I mean? Like that's
0: insane to me. It is cool, man. So we're uh, we're kind of nearing the end. I, I definitely see a part two in this. Like you said, the fundraising point is like a total one-off. We'd we'd love to do with you. I think it's been awesome right here. One question um, we like to pose, and it's different per person. Um, but you know, some of our audience, right? They're they're following that path, right? They're going to that internship. Um, there may be that gut feeling that this isn't right, but I'm going to stick it out. Um, they may have to make that shift later, but, you know, I guess, you know, some advice you would give, um, to these college athletes or students that are nearing the end of their playing career. Um, we've heard about hedging your bets and chasing passions, but, you know, I think you alluded to it with your team, but some advice you'd have for those individuals that are are about to graduate, getting into a career, um, and, and, and trying to progress there.
1: Yeah, I think it's just, you know, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's, you know, finance, wherever it is, you you just, you have to chase the right things. Like, I can't stress that enough. Um, You know, I know I focus a lot on the entrepreneurship side. That's what I know best from my experience here. But, you know, if it's finance, if it's law, if it's whatever it is, you just have to chase the right things because, you know, obviously... If it's a good salary, that's great. You're making good money. You can support yourself. But at the end of the day, and at the end of your life, you have to look at you in the mirror. No one else. You know, it doesn't matter if you had 2,000 likes, uh, you know, on that Instagram post of, you know, you at that party, whatever. Like, like all that stuff is irrelevant. You know, one day, it's all not going to matter. You know what I mean? So you just have to, like, you just have to look at the bigger picture. And I think that's what so many people... You know, struggle with is just they look at the compensation plan for the job they don't even look at the job description they say oh 120 thousand a year I'm in and they, they don't even read what it is and they just apply you know what I mean like that okay that's one strategy but what about what if you get the job you're taking that job away from someone else who that might be their dream job so you just have to you just have to know you know what your North Star is and and, and what you're following um, you know like I said the money's great obviously you need to support yourself don't do anything stupid where you, you know, you work for free or something like you you have to support yourself, especially if you're an adult. Um, but you know, if you're young, if you're 18, 19, 20, 21 in college, you, you have your whole life ahead of you, but don't take that for granted either. You know what I mean? You just have to make smart decisions. Um, you know, make sure you're, you're following, uh, what you actually believe in. And that's really hard. You know, people hear that and they're probably like, you know oh yeah it's, it's that's easy you know i'm just going to i'm going to do that that thing that i want to do but then what gets really hard is what happens when your buddy calls you on you know thursday night you know hey you want to go to the bar and then there goes that thing you never go back to it and then it's dead you know what i mean so you just have to you know just stay true to yourself and um, especially if you're not an entrepreneur i mean i think especially if you're not an entrepreneur because if you're an entrepreneur you're really chasing your vision right if you're the ceo if you're the founder it's your vision if you're, you know, the business development representative, you're, you're chasing someone else's dream. You know what I mean? You're working for the man. So you have to make sure that you, you like what the man stands for. You know what I mean? You have to like what the organization stands for. Um, so that, that's my advice is just, you know, make sure everything aligns. You know what I mean? Not just the money. Make sure everything about your career path, uh, about the blueprint that you have for yourself aligns. Uh, with your bigger goals and you'll get there. If you just stay true to yourself, it's, it's simple, but it's really hard. But if you do it, you're not going to have
0: regrets. So. Oh man. Yeah. I think you've given our listeners, you've given us, um, tons to take away. You've helped us certainly. So I think we'd be, um, remiss without asking, you know, how, I guess, how can we help you? How can our listeners help you and scout day, um, with what you're doing now? Yeah. I mean, honestly,
1: pe- you guys can help me. I mean, just, just spread the word. I mean, I just think, you know, especially for, you know, the, the four of us here, I mean, we're younger guys. Um, you know, we're part of this millennial generation. Um, just, just try to help each other. You know what I mean? If there's someone who needs encouragement, um, if there's someone who needs help, I mean, write me an email. I mean, just email me at alex at scout You know, if you're starting your company, if you, you know, I don't know, need career advice. You know what I mean? I'll do what I can to, to steer you in the right direction. But that's the best way that, you know, everyone can can help me is just, you know, it's bigger than just Scout Day. Um, you know, I really want uh, not just to change the baseball industry, but just to, you know, be in a position of, of strong leverage where I can help people. So, um, you know, obviously spreading the word about Scout Day is great. Follow us on Instagram at uh, scout underscore day. Um, trying to hit 100,000 followers by the end of the year. That's our goal. So, um, you know, obviously when our app goes live, it would be great if everyone just checks out the app. It's just called Scout Day, one word. Um, but besides that, you know, let's just be on this mission together as a generation. Obviously a lot of stuff going on in the world. So, um, you know, we just got to stick together and just, uh, you know, help out others as much as we can.
0: Love it, man. Love it. Uh, so, you, you know, you, you mentioned your email, Alex at ScoutDay.co. Um, Instagram scout underscore day. We'll link up to the website. We'll link up to your Instagram page. Um, you'll, maybe you'll see a few more people in your comment section, get you uh, to that 65k. Um, there we go. Right. Brick by brick. I love it, I love it man. Brick by brick. Um, so the, the last question in keeping with our theme here as what's next, um, what's next for you, whether it's that next step or something bigger, what, what's next for you? What's top of mind?
1: Yeah. So we're launching our app, you know, hopefully sometime in November, uh, most likely at this point. Um, you know, we just secured another investment, $250,000 investment, which we're really excited about. Um, but really just getting the app out there. I mean, like I said, we, we've been around for a good amount of time. Uh, product development is really hard. It's really hard to ship software. Um, might seem easy because there's so many apps, but it's really not. So uh, just excited to get the product out there. Um, you know, like I said, close some funding. So we're kind of closed off from the the fundraising aspect for at least a couple months, which is which is hopefully going to be a little more relaxing than the last eighteen months. Um, but uh, but yeah, just getting the product out there, getting people to use it, and uh, you know, helping as many
0: players and coaches that we can. I love it, man. We really appreciate the time. Uh, good dude with a good mission. This has been has uh, been a lot of fun, and um, we'll uh, we'll we'll catch up. We'll definitely be doing a part two because there's sounds like there's plenty in store uh, for what so next. much to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Let's do which, it. This time flew by, but um, Alex, we The really- trilogy,
1: we gotta get the trilogy. That's <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, thank you so much, bud. We appreciate it and um, we'll, we'll catch up, all right? All right, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Right, well, thank you to Alex. Uh, really enjoyed that one. I hope you guys did as well. Um, I love the story, you know, from the first experience in an internship. Uh, making you know, all, the, all that money at 15 an hour during school, um, but realizing early that it's not about the cash, it's not, it's not the pursuit for him. Um, he just really was feeling no no reward for his day of work. Um, so he was able to, to make that decision early. Most aren't that fortunate. Uh, that being said, you know, take an audit of how you're feeling coming out of work each day, chasing that paycheck. Um, it's it's not going to go anywhere. A few of the tactical pieces that he talks about. Um, That I was really happy about the first one being influencer marketing. It's a buzzword, right? Um, Pioneered by the the huge following behind the Kardashians and the other big names on Instagram where they're promoting product there Um, It's cascading down to niche audiences as he speaks about and it's something as you guys continue to try to grow your own ventures uh, You'll you'll come across So the four points that he goes into when looking and when talking about price Um, is what kind of content they're putting out. Is the page just pretty much a billboard, a running billboard of different ads, um, or is it authentic? The second is check out the amount of followers this person has, um, but then also compare that to the likes. You know, is it somewhere where they're getting hundreds of thousands of followers? But you go look on a post and it's a a couple couple likes here and there, some spammy comments. I mean, that's got to be major red flags for you. Uh, The third piece was what kind of engagements are happening? What kind of combos? Um, Alex makes a point to try to comment on as many comments or reply to as many comments as he can. Uh, But it's in the thousands now, so it gets trickier to scale. But is the page or is the person trying to engage with their audience? Or is the audience really engaging with each other? I think that's really cool as well. Um, and the fourth piece was price point. He started at 100 to 200 per post. Um, so hopefully that lifts that veil for you guys of you know what you can pay for certain posts um, so that you're not taken advantage of as you explore those options. Uh, the next tactical piece was his experience and his lessons while getting funding. Um, the first being you gotta prove that concept somehow, some way, uh, so get traction on whatever you're doing now. That was the first piece, traction, um, and show that it can scale. The second being the product, the third being the team and the fourth being the market. All pieces you want to keep in mind as you continue to explore your venture and try to prove yourself. Um, enjoyed it, really enjoyed this one. Alex is um, very wise beyond his years. He actually graduated in 2016. It's not something we mentioned in the intro. Uh, so, you know, just a testament to the kind of work that can be done quickly uh, when you're chasing a passion. If you want to reach out to Alex, he'll do his best to respond. Uh, very busy, but uh, super engaged with his audience. It's alex at scoutday.co. Um, or you can reach out on their Instagram page. It's at scout underscore day. Um, you'll be one of the, uh, hopefully he's at 65,000 by the time this release, but he's 64 when we were interviewing him. Uh, but it's a growing fan base, a very engaged fan base. He's got some exciting stuff coming out. Uh, And I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Similar to the call to action at the beginning, guys, hopefully you've been sharing this. uh, You'll share this with somebody who's either an entrepreneur, they're trying to grow something. Next time you hear influencer marketing, join the conversation. Tell them where you learned it. Uh, Special thanks to Alex for that one. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this. Thank you for stopping by and we'll see you next week on What's Next.